Hello, everyone. Just a quick word here from Michael before we get into the show. What you're about to listen to is Summon Monster 3. And this is a new show that we are considering to make a regular part of our feed. So something that would come out, if not weekly, twice a month or so. And we just want to know, is this something you want us to continue doing? I personally think this is a really fun type of show, but what do you think? Uh, We would really appreciate some feedback on what you think of the show. Is it something you would like to see us continue doing? Any suggestions or tweaks that you would offer? I am aware that there are some audio issues in this episode. We are trying to fix those. It's not terrible, but it's there's a few places that just kind of get on my nerves. So I understand that. So no need, no offense, no need to to comment on the audio quality. So beyond that, do you have any feedback or suggestions on this show type? Uh, if you do, you can always hit us up on Twitter, on Facebook, or email us at therpgacademy at gmail.com. And now on to Summon Monster 3. Hello and welcome to Summon Monster 3, where we, these wizards three, Summon forth a monster from the multiverse and examine it in order to help you have fun running encounters with these monsters at your table. First, let's meet our three wizards. My name is Michael, and I think a displacer beast might sound like... Hey everybody, my name is Caleb, and I think a displacer beast sounds like... Hi, everybody out there. My name is Ryan, and I think a displacer bee sounds like... So now that you've met our Wizards 3, let's hear from our sponsor, Dugan's Import Emporium. Dugan's Import Emporium is your one-stop shop for all your adventuring needs. Dugan's offers a lowest price guarantee on all of your gear from basics like backpacks, bedrolls, belt pouches, torches, chalk, hand mirror, and of course, your 10-foot poles. Dugan also offers competitive prices for your magical sundries, including top-of-the-line spoke components, magic rope, collapsible boats, gloves of storing, elven boots, cloaks of invisibility, and more. No one beats Dugan's prices or selection, so before you start your next adventure, make sure you visit Dugan's for epic-level gear at adventurer-level prices. Dugan's Import Emporium, where every good adventure begins. Dugan's Import Emporium is a general goods and sundry store existing on all material planes at all times, always. Customers must exit on the same material plane as they entered. All sales are final, and all sales are to be paid for in legal tender for the material plane for which they are being purchased. No gnomes allowed. So let's begin today's episode by summoning forth a displacer beast from the multiverse. We should learn all we need to know about this creature. It's a poor wizard who tries to use a creature without knowing what it can do. As God is my witness, I thought turkeys could fly. The displacer beast is found on page 81 of the 5th edition Monster Manual. It is a glorious black panther with six legs and two spiked tentacles protruding from its shoulders. The lore of the Displacer Beast is that it comes from the Feywild, and it is a hunter that hunts for the sake of hunting, not just for food or taking care of its family. This is an intelligent creature who enjoys hunting, and to support that, the 5th edition book defines it as lawful evil not a choice I appreciate, but that is the choice that was made. The Displacer Beast is something that is very good at hunting. It is a stalker in the dark. It is not a creature that 
would attack your party full on. It is a creature that will hunt them in the night, possibly lay traps for them, and attempt to ambush the PCs when it is most advantageous for itself. Interestingly, very few abilities on the page support this. The Displacer Beast does have an ability called Displacement, and in 5th edition mechanics, it simply forces attack rolls against it to have a disadvantage. In previous editions, there was a mischance, and in other editions, there were more abilities that favored stealth, tactical movement, and attacking. Uh, but in 5th edition, really the only core abilities the beast has is to displace itself, which creates disadvantage for attacks against it, and it can take half damage with a good saving throw. The theater of the mind for a displacer beast is that it is creating illusions of itself. Thus, as it is attacked, you never know if you are attacking the actual beast or simply an illusion, which the creature uses to its advantage to set up these stealthy tactical takedowns of its prey. Excellent. So now that we know what we're dealing with, it's time to talk. So in this section, we're going to cover a combat encounter that you could use or adapt for your games. If it bleeds, we can kill it. So this week, I have our combat encounter. And what I view here is you're going to be dealing with not one, not two, but three Displacer Beasts, which is going to make this a potentially high-level encounter. Now, personally, I think CR is nonsense, so I don't really use it a whole lot. But based on the book, that's like, you need like 15th level characters. I think that's silly. I would put this against four, five level, fifth level characters and think it would be okay. Your mileage may vary. However, so it is what, again, if you look at the lore of the book, they are known to be pets for other, maybe more powerful creatures, someone that can offer protection for them. So what I see happening here is that these displacer beasts have either come upon or were previously working for a beholder. Now, potentially this beholder is already killed by previous adventures. Maybe it died of old age. Maybe it just got kicked out of its apartment and had to go somewhere else. Anyway, so we got an empty beholder's lair. One of the tactics that the beholder, or that the displacer beast is known for is it will use one of its kind to do sort of a feint or like a hit and run attack and then lure its prey into an ambush. So that's what we're going to set up. So two of these displacer beasts are going to be already inside of a, a specific chamber within this beholder's lair. One of the displacer beasts is going to go out, engage with the uh, party just long enough to get them to follow it into this quote unquote trap. So the main action of this encounter is going to occur in a room inside this beholder's lair that as you pass through this archway, it is basically a circular room with a large sort of obelisk in the center. So think of it like a donut, but where the hole would be, there's a large jagged crystal. Now on the outside of this donut circle hole are a bunch of polished steel mirrors. So as you can imagine, you're going to get a sort of a kaleidoscope, maybe even like a funhouse mirror effect, where it's going to look like you and the Displacer Beasts are everywhere. In front of you, behind you, back, forth, everything else. 
So this is going to play into the fact that the Displacer Beast ability allow it to not be where you think it is anyways. And then on top of it, you had all these extra images which could cause confusion. In addition, two of these mirrors on the outside are actually portals where the other two Displacer Beasts can actually attack out of. So you've got a lot of elements here that, for me, playing this as like a theater of the mind game, I think I could really like lay into these the descriptions and the confusion that the player should be feeling. Now, the way the game works traditionally, no matter how many instances of disadvantage you have, one instance of advantage will cancel them out. So I feel pretty confident that our players are still going to be able to negate all of these disadvantaged layers that we have. So really, I have, a, I have a strong belief that the characters will be able to overcome that. But the way I describe it and the thematics of it is going to keep laying in that you're not, you're not attacking where you think you are. The, the attacks are coming from places you don't expect. Again, maybe the two that are already in there attacking outside these portals around the donut hole. I think it could be a ton of fun and what I hope to be a very interesting encounter. And if you want to take it up to extreme mode... Maybe the beholder's still around. Because if you want to have fun with a disintegration ray, shoot it in a round room with lots of mirrors. <laughs> All right. So that is my combat encounter for this week. So, Caleb, any thoughts on that? Anything that you might tweak or adjust if you were to run it at your table? I really like that encounter. I think it's a lot of fun. Definitely a very challenging encounter. I think if you wanted to add a little bit, tweak it, maybe include some sort of hostage that has to get rescued. Um, it could be as a commoner that got kidnapped. It could be someone the the, the PCs are, have been looking for. It could just be happenstance or maybe finding a treasure or a specific item that is in this lair. I'm going to assume there's a lot of bodies in this lair. Who knows what could be on those bodies? Mm, very true. Yeah, especially if this was a previous like a beholder's lair. That could be what sends them there is, you know, some treasure that they're after. Or again, maybe maybe the adventurers who went to slay the Beholder haven't returned. And, you know, perhaps again, the Beholder's still alive or they died in the battle or they are severely wounded so that they're still there. So there's lots of ways we could get people to come to that lair. All right. So, Ryan, what about you? Uh, any ideas for like, this encounter like, you might tweak or adjust if you were to run it at your table? Um, I echo what uh, Caleb said about liking this. I think it's very interesting. Uh, as you were describing it, I pictured the Scooby-Doo trope of the long hallway with the multiple doors and just going back and forth. So I think adding <laughs> a couple more mirror portals um, would make it more interesting and give the players even more confusion. Um, you don't have to necessarily build on it or give them another instance of disadvantage, but it would definitely make it harder to pinpoint where they were at. And theater of the mind obviously would have more effect, but if you were doing this maps and minis, um, you know, you wouldn't have to, you'd have more chances for the characters to have to figure out which mirrors were the portals. And then my other thought would be to make the crystal in the middle, some type of interaction somehow with it. Maybe it's one of those moving round eyeballs from Zelda that occasionally fires some kind of beam. Uh, in a random direction, you know, like every fourth turn or something like that. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that it, that being different from the mirrors makes it um, another thing to kind of interact with. Um, and I think that the players would catch on going, that's a jagged crystal and the outside is, is, is very, you know, polished mirrors. So the um, difference between those two is, is staggering and it would give them another thing to think about. 
So you could really easily take the donut shape and make it more like a rhombus. So it's not like a straight hallway, but it's more like a elongated rectangle that's not perfectly symmetrical or you know, opposite sides and that would work. And actually, you just gave me the thought, maybe the crystal, maybe something that you could do is either with a spell or just an attack. When you hit the crystal, it resonates and the frequency that it resonates harms the displacer beast or maybe even cancels out their displacer abilities for a turn that, you know, you could find a way that maybe the displacer beasts weren't aware of that at the time, but that would help. You know, if you see that your players are really struggling, whether that's planned before or not, that could be a fun way to sort to of change the dynamics as well in the middle of the game. Could also do something where that resonance activates and deactivates certain mirror portals. Ooh, yes, that would be very cool. As I well. love both of those ideas, and this is what happens when DMs sit and think ideas. All right, so in the next section here, we want to discuss how this creature might encounter your players and not just get stabbed until it dies. I know there is much we can learn from each other if we can negotiate a truce. We can find a way to coexist. Can there be a peace between us? All right. So to continue to an extent, this idea that Michael gave us, uh, we did not plan this whatsoever. Displacer beasts are known to be great hunters. I kind of looked back at some of the older lore where fey lords and ladies had displacer beasts in their courts as hunting animals, pack animals, uh, show animals around their throne. So my idea for a non-combat encounter starts with a displacer beast contacting the PCs. Uh, possibly this is an encounter in the woods and it's it may appear to be dangerous at the start, but displacer beasts, which are intelligent, communicate to the PCs that it needs their help. So right off the bat, we've got a situation that could escalate into danger, but we want the players and the characters to de-escalate with some good role-playing, charisma roles, some interactions, some wisdom checks. And what this displacer beast tells them is that their pack, their mate, their cubs have been kidnapped by a local fey lord. And it is asking the PCs for help in retrieving their family. Now, I see this could go several different ways, and I think it really depends on what type of game you've set up with your players. So that session zero, take a drink, is very important. Possibly this is a simp quest, a simple fetch quest. Go to the Feylord's castle, extract the Displacer Beast family. Could be very simple. I would say if you were doing something like that, this could be a nice stealth-based dungeon crawl slash longer encounter. So lots of mid to high level checks based on uh, your PC levels to try to avoid detection from some of these elf guardians and sentries, uh, possibly some interesting perception and investigation checks to find uh, holes and openings in the sentry patterns, find ways to get through without just starting an all-out brawl. That would be pretty fun. If you have a type of game where maybe this is a little bit more involved but not super crazy, this could become a fetch quest. This could become a they go to the Fey Lord, and then the Fey Lord says, sure, I'll give you my pets back, but you've got to do something for me. So we could have a little bit of a social interaction of negotiating with the Fey Lord 
Now, I think it's very important that we establish this Fae Lord as incredibly powerful compared to your PCs. So throw in all of the narrative fluff to show the power of this character. Otherwise, your PCs may just start a brawl, which we probably want to avoid. So try to enforce the possible negative consequences of drawing weapons and slinging spells. So uh, that being the case, this Fae Lord may say, go do this task for me. So we could do a little bit of negotiation, a little bit of contract drawing up. If you really want to lean into the Fae, you could really have a lot of fun with the verbiage that is being said, the exact words of the contract, exactly what the Fae Lord says versus what the PCs say. Again, session zero to make sure this is something you want to do. Take a drink. Or if you have the right game and the right players and you're all willing to do this and you as a dungeon master are willing to take on a heavy burden, this could become a very complicated political social encounter. I could see this playing out very high level checks, very heavy on the role playing Imagine some of the political interactions from Dune, from Game of Thrones. Every character in this throne room or in the Fey Lord's court could be trying to exert their sway. This could be almost a mystery of who is helping the PCs, who is trying to take advantage of the PCs being there. Maybe who engineered the kidnapping of the Displacer Beasts to bring in the PCs in order to be make them be a cat's paw against someone else. You could really spiral out of control. So there's a lot of different ways you could do this, but the core is the Displacer Beast, which is normally an attack feral hunting creature asks the PCs for help, and then the PCs make that choice to help them rescue their family. All right. So as for me, the first two things I thought of is, one, I definitely see a situation where the PCs are carrying these little baby displacer beasts, and while they are doing that, they are under the same effect. So they then become... Like they absorb that because they're the close proximity. So as they're trying, maybe trying to run away, they get the benefit of having the displacer ability on them. And then two, when they get to the Fey Court, it's actually like an underground auction where there's just a menagerie of really dangerous beasts. Maybe baby beholders, baby Utiog, what you know, everything that you can think of, every adorable like owlbear cub version of a monster you can think of are being auctioned off to these you know other people or beings because they will grow up to be dangerous creatures that can be, you know, like guard dogs and pets. So you have just a whole menagerie, which then gives me options on how we might maybe put a bit of a spice to this encounter. Like if we let all of them go type of a thing, that could be fun. So what about you, Ron? Any, any ideas or tweaks or thoughts on how you might uh, adjust this social encounter? The idea of having to get these or interact with a, a greater fae scares me as a player. For those specifics that Caleb uh, clarified about the specific wording of a contract. So always a touchy subject, not one that I would take lightly. So that's a really good encounter to throw at uh, any uh, experienced player and a better one probably to throw at non-experienced players so that they can get uh, trapped per se if you're looking for that as a DM. Um, and I do like the idea, uh, Mike, what you said of having the uh, these babies um, – kind of un 
unable to control their powers and affecting you just by proximity. It's a little different take on it, uh, I will say, having to rescue them versus them being the thing you're fighting or going after. Uh, so that makes it very fun and a different twist on it. I like that a lot. Just be very clear, your players are going to try to adopt all of these creatures. Agreed. And that's fine. That would be cool. Because I would definitely could see like a, a druid or a barbarian keeping one you know, with its consent, because we're in this case, we're giving these creatures enough intelligence to do that. Uh, and then just like they ride this beast into battle like Battle Cat and they're under the displacer effect because that would be cool as hell. That's how we get Pokemon in the game. <laughs> do you want Pokemon? Because this is how you get Pokemon. Thank you for that, Caleb. All right. So, Ryan, we're on to you for our fourth section. And this is our loot drop. In this section, we choose a specific item possibly magical, possibly not, that might be encountered or given as a reward or found as part of either of these types of encounters. And maybe there's a adventure hook attached to them as well. Maybe there's some stuff up there for us. Maybe there's some stuff that we can keep from the old side. Lots of Maybe there's some rich stuff. All right. So I didn't think I was going to have as much fun with this as I did. But first off, I'm going to start with things that you might find if you were just going on a random kill the beast type of mission, things you would find in its lair. And I went with cat tropes because it's a giant cat after all. You have things like potions of water breathing or necklace of water breathing. Uh, you have a trident because what? Fish, right? Um, <laughs> gems. Here's one, a chime of opening. What's the chime of opening? Kind of like a bell. Cats love to knock around bells. Uh, then you have poison or herb pouches that could mimic um, the catnip. Uh, boots of water walking because cats hate water, right? Uh, and finally, uh, a giant fly statue um, as a summoning device. Um, all these items are typically found in the um, Dungeon Master's Guide. Uh, for different things. Now, here's where I started to have fun with it, though. You have players, and sometimes they get uh, carried away, or sometimes you get a player that has an, an idea. Maybe your whole campaign is based off hunting monsters. Well, there's a book out there by, I believe it's Cobalt Press, that is made all about different things you can get from monsters. Uh, in this case, harvesting them. So the obvious ones would be uh, hide to make either... Um, a hide armor of displacement, or there is a cloak of displacement in the DMG. But there are a ton of other fun things. You can make a whip, and one of the magic properties of the whip could be that it um, automatically lassos people because the tentacles on the displacer beast have prongs that grip onto. Um, or it could be a transference power so that it, once it grabs something or a character, you can trade places with them in the game, 10, 20 feet, whatever it is, uh, but it could switch you. So that would be a really fun magic item. Other wondrous items that you can come up with um, to harvest from a Displacer Beast could be Amulet of Proof Against Detection, obviously relating to their uh, disadvantage power of not thinking where you think they are. Um, there is a Bag of Holding, that's kind of uh, obvious. Uh, just because of the plane that they come from, but you've got boots of speed or dimensional shackles. If you could harvest something in the cat's body from the cat's body, um, you can have a wizard cast it, use it as a, a spellcasting agent 
to make dimensional shackles that would stop a character from being able to teleport, something like that. Uh, dust of disappearance. And finally, for all you clerics and paladins out there, there's a mace of disruption, again, to stop things from teleporting or moving unnecessarily. So there's a lot of fun things that you could do with a displacer beast. All right, very cool. Uh, so, Caleb, anything you would add uh, to that section or a twist or a tweak you might have? Ryan, I love the idea of making Displacer Beasts just giant house cats. <laughs> I really want there to be like a giant cat tree that a hu- oh, just a whole bunch of them are climbing on when you go into that cave to find them. I also really love the idea of harvesting things to make other things. Sometimes finding magical items is difficult in a, in a typical campaign, but layering that challenge of, okay, you want that mace of disruption? Find a thing that makes disruption happen. Let's your players really engage with the world and the game and take a lot of agency and ownership in, this isn't just a mace of disruption I picked up at the store. I freaking made this mace of disruption. It builds that story. It creates that core connection to everything. I also think it would be uh, very simple, like we talked about in Michael's combat encounter, to include some of these items as just things that have uh, ended up in the lair uh, from other victims. So don't overthink it. Don't make it too hard, but definitely have fun with it. So my idea actually goes back to um, either of the, the encounters, I, or I guess more like the social encounter. I, I don't know. Any sort of encounter. What I'm thinking of is maybe a way these creatures come into your campaign is just something I, I started thinking about how my cat, like, you know, it, it, it scratches. There's a word for that. Like when they basically try to like stretch their claws by scratching on a object. So imagine that displacer beasts are doing that. But again, they have six legs and two tentacles. So whatever they are trying to use to like stretch out their claws, they are going to just disintegrate. So imagine you have like a druid who has like a grove of trees nearby. These displacer beasts have started to come to the trees and they're using them for their scratch pads and they're killing all these old growth trees. And so the druid or maybe a treant or maybe it's a a nymph saying, can you please help us? Can you get something else? Because we don't want to kill them. They're They're creatures we don't want to die, but we need to either move them displace them somewhere else or placate them with something that they can use to scratch their claws and their tentacles that won't destroy everything around us. So finally, our last section here is our variant section. So what our goal for this would be is that you, dear listener, could write in an email to the show at the RPGacademy at gmail.com and give us an example of an interesting encounter that you have had either as a player or as a DM for one of the monsters we have previously covered. So this would be giant spiders, even though you're never going to hear that episode, or now displacer beasts. So if you have an interesting encounter for either of those two, send us in an email, and then we will drop it in here as a variant to the uh, the monsters we've already covered. I will quickly drop in here once on a detention episode, which is a great show. If you if you like this, you might want to check that out if you're not already. We talked about displacer beasts there, and I came up with the idea that the tentacles on the Displacer Beasts are actually their own symbiote creature that can be dislodged from the panther-like creature and get attached to something else. So you could imagine Displacer Beasts where that is the case. So it's just like a regular panther, a four-legged, you know, material plane panther. But it's got these two tentacles 
that could just come off and like sneak around and jump on something else. So you could have a displacer. Anything that you want uh, is just trying to take over a creature, a high level, you know, any creature that it wants to attach to would have the displacer beast properties. All right, so that's a wrap for this edition of Summon Monster 3. Let's now dismiss this displacer beast back into the void. Uh, we'd like you to join us again next time when we'll be summoning a banshee to examine. Uh, just as a reminder, if you'd like to be featured in our variant section, please email us your most memorable encounter with a creature we faced before, or you can suggest a creature for us to examine in a future episode by emailing us at therpgacademy at gmail.com. Quickly as a reminder, you can always find me, Michael, on Twitter at the RPG Academy. You can find me on the socials at VKLubG. You can find me on all the social media sites at Teleporta. And until next time, remember, if you're having fun, you're, you're doing, doing it, it right. right.